Good morning, Saints. I'm excited about uh, being here this morning. I want to share some. I want to share some thoughts this morning about. Um, I really believe if I can if I can articulate what is what is in me to say, if I can if I, with the help of the Holy Spirit if I can if I can say and articulate what is inside of me um, this morning I think it really would be a help to everyone and just affirm things in us and. Um, And it, it, I think it may answer why why people have a hard time getting grace. Why people have a hard time getting grace, or understanding the grace of God, or or why people say that's too good to be true, kind of thing. Um, so I think this will be beneficial if I can just articulate what's what I'm feeling this morning about it. It has to be has to do with with knowing the mind of Christ. The scripture says we have the mind of Christ. As a believer, we now have the mind of Christ. So I want to share some thoughts about what that really means, having the mind of Christ. Because once we see how God thinks and how God sees things, um, it really opens up. Things become clear. And we can... We can leave the thoughts that we were born with, the natural mind that does not perceive the things of the Spirit, the natural mind that came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can leave that way of thinking to the tree of life and to the way God thinks. The mind of Christ. It'll, it will explain so many things. It, it will explain why Jesus did some of the things he did and why the Pharisees had such a hard time with him. They were operating from the mind, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were operating from the natural mind that does not understand the mind of the Spirit or the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to the, to the natural mind. Jesus came from the mind of God, from the tree of life, and so it was, it was a clash of two minds. Paul says the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. There are two minds, two mindsets. The main work of the Holy Spirit is to renew our mind to the mind of Christ, to move our mind from the mind of the natural, from the mind of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we were born with in our, by our natural parents, to the mind of Christ from the tree of life. For we are no longer from below, but from above. The mind of Christ. It explains so much. It's awesome. And the, only the Spirit can show us this. And we know this already. It's not that this is something you don't already know. But I think it will hopefully fine-tune some things and maybe explain why people have such a hard time getting grace. It's a different mind set. It's a different perception of reality. Which is why it must be a revelation. Who can, who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And what kind of, you know, got me thinking about this, there's a, a conference going on in Orlando, I think it's this week or next week, um, put on by the Reformed, the, the Reformed uh, 
churches, um, and their whole their whole topic this year is recovering the Christian mind or or understanding the Christian mind or something like that. So I started thinking about that. I got their brochure and looked at some of the topics and all. But I, I fear that they, I, re, I really fear that what they're really going to focus on from looking at the topics is, you know, returning reason to the church, returning education to the church, returning, you know, focus on the intellect is not something we should throw out, you know, and this kind of thing, which to me is the wrong path. For not many wise, not many noble get it. Why? Because it is not of the natural mind. He has chosen the foolish to confound the wise. What he has done in Christ has made void the wisdom of this world. It is a revelation. It is, it is a revelation that is, uh, only can be given by the Spirit, and it moves us in a, a different direction from the focus on the intellect or education or the reason. There's something better than reason, greater than reason, it's not that we throw reason out, but there's a higher wisdom. There's revelation. You don't cease to reason. Even God said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. God's not against reason. But you've got to reason with the right revelation. There's a higher wisdom. There's a higher wisdom. The scripture says if the Lord of this world, if the God of this world, Satan, had known the hidden wisdom, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It was hidden. It was hidden. For he hides himself from those who think themselves wise and prudent and reveals himself to babes. For so it seemed good in thy sight, Father, to do it this way. So we come as babes, as children, saying, teach us, Lord. If you say you are blind, then you shall see. But if you say you see, you shall remain blind. It's awesome. It's so cool. God's ways. So I want to talk a little bit about the mind of Christ and what that means. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. The hidden wisdom now revealed. The mystery of Christ now an open secret. The revelation that was hidden in all creation and now revealed. As you said, Lord, I will open my mouth and I will speak parables and I will utter things that have been kept secret since the foundation of the world, hidden in that which was made in creation itself, speaking of this way of God, this tree of life, this hidden wisdom, Christ himself, Christ himself. Thank you, Lord. I pray by the Holy Spirit that I'll be able to speak and we'll be able to hear and we'll be able to see by your Spirit. For only by the Spirit of God can we know the thoughts of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us these things. For he who spared not his only Son, will he not freely give us all things? with him you're so eager to show us these things Lord amen
You know, even John the Baptist said that the axe is laid to the root of the tree. And speaking of the coming of the Christ, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. I think that was speaking symbolically of this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was no coincidence that he was crucified on a tree. Jesus died on a tree. Everything, everything comes from that garden, the beginning, when the, the, the two trees were, the, were the, the two decisions, the two paths of mankind, everything. And you had man who once was not self-conscious or self-aware. Um, their focus was on God himself. He would come in the garden and he would be with them and they with him and he with them. And they, would, they were just focused on him. And only when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of right and wrong, did they become aware of their own nakedness and sense a, an otherness from God and, and hid and, and shame and fear of God. It was a distraction to move them from him, the knowledge of, knowledge of right and wrong. And we were, we were all born with that in us, the natural mind, the way of thinking. And what God did is, is so awesome. He, imagine this. Imagine you had a, um, uh, if there was a city and people were all sick with some kind of disease or some kind of sickness, and, and um, they were all trying to figure out how to cure the sickness. And they were thinking, well, if we stop doing this, maybe this will help. Or if we stop doing that, this will help. Or if we do this, or that's the cause of it over here, or that's the cause of this. And they're, they were all just, just enraptured with and obsessed with trying to find out what's causing it, how can we stop it, uh, what, do we have, what can we do about it, okay? All this disease stuff in this city, say. And then suppose someone comes to the city... And they come walking into the city, and they've, they've been studying this disease in another place, another city, and they come with the antidote. They found the antidote. And they walk into the city, and they say, I- I've got the antidote. And the people there, they're so obsessed with trying to figure out how it started and what, you know, what to do to stop it. And, you know, they, they, they start talking about what caused it and how can we stop it? And the guy goes, no, wait, I have the antidote. It doesn't matter how it started. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. This antidote, once you take it, you'll never be infected again, period. I mean, this is the antidote. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that. When Jesus came on the scene, he wasn't giving them something he wasn't trying to get, give them knowledge of, of why they have problems and how the problem started and what to do to stop problems and how to overcome problems. It was, it was all of that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was coming basically and saying, I'm the answer. I'm life. You're dead. You're dead. I'm life. You are dead in your sins. You're in the flesh. And I'm life. I'm here. Life is here. What you are seeking is here. All this stuff about trying to figure out why we sin and what to do not to sin and all this stuff is really, really like the, the old saying. They say it's like, it's like re- rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. We're, it's dead. It's sinking. It's sinking. It's over. What we need is a helicopter to take us off the boat. Yeah, the lifeboat. The lifeboat. We need a big lifeboat. 
And that's what he did. That's what the Lord did. He came and he said, I am the life. The life. Because the problem with mankind is that we did not have the life of God. We had, we were in, we were dead in our sins and transgressions. And the tree of life was, was hidden from us and, and not approachable because of our sin. So when Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, he didn't say, I have come to show you a way or a good way. I have, I have, I didn't, he didn't say, I've come to, to uh, teach you truth. I didn't come to, uh, to uh, show you how to find life. He said it very clearly. He goes, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Okay. The, the mind of God is so awesome. The mind of God is seen in creation itself. I know we did this once before. But the mind of God is actually seen in the way things have been made. The scripture says the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things which have been made. In creation itself, we know that in the solar system there, there are uh, bodies that revolve around bodies, planets around suns. We have galaxies that revolve around each other and galaxies that revolve around galaxies. There is a, there is a, a um, concentric circle imprint on creation itself. Concentric circle imprint. Concentric circle means circles within circles. Where it, what it means, a concentric circles, basically, concentric, concentric circles mean that all the circles have the same common center. The center is in the, the same center is in all the circles. We also have, in our smallest part of creation, in molecules, we have orbits, neutrons and protons. So even in the smallest, smallest element of creation is the concentric circle imprint. You cut a tree down, you'll see circles within circles. You see um, the moon, the stars, uh, how they're circles within circles in, in, the, in their orbits. You throw a pebble on a pond and you'll have circles within circles as, in a, as the pond. It's in creation itself. What is God saying? He's saying that there is a center. There's a center that's the key to all things. And he has determined that center to be his son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. The word was with God. The word was God. Paul said, all things have been made by him and for him and through him. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 that it has been the eternal purpose of God that in the fullness of time he might sum up and gather together all things in Christ. What am I saying? What am I, what am I trying to say? God has basically, in Christ, given us everything. God's intention is not to give you something, not to give you and I knowledge of right and wrong, so that by learning right and doing right, we find life. God's intention is to give us life. He has placed us in his son 
This is why grace is hard to understand to, to the natural mind because the natural mind is, is geared to knowledge of good and evil. That's why it's sin-focused. It's sin-focused. They're rearranging the chairs on the Titanic as opposed to the revelation of life. He who has the Son has the life, John says. He who, 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 he who has not the Son has not the life. He who has the Son has the life. He who has not the Son has not the life. It's all about the life. It's all about union with Him. Because in Him, as Paul says, if you are in Him, you are complete in Him. That's where the rest is, to see how God did it. That's why He said, Consider not the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing, an entirely new thing that has been hidden and now revealed. The prophet spoke of this new thing that was coming. This thing where he himself would embody all that man needed and, all, and, that, and that God himself would place man inside the son and the son inside the man. It's awesome. There was a man that was lame and the Pharisees who had this natural knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong thinking, sin conscious, sin focused thinking said, is this man lame because of his father's sins or his own sins? Now, that's the mindset of the natural. It's rampant in the church, and that's all the world knows. The spirit of the world. We have not, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. A different mindset. Jesus answered and said, neither. Wrong thinking. Wrong track. Neither. He said, this is just an opportunity to manifest the glory of God. Life is here. The antidote is here. It's so awesome. So that's no wonder the parable of the, the laborers in the field don't make, it, it doesn't make sense to so many, you know, where the laborers worked all day and they got paid certain wages and the owner of the vineyard brings in a, the laborers at the very end. They work for just one hour and they get paid the same wage as those who labored all day. No wonder the natural mind doesn't get that because it's still thinking in terms of Sin and right and wrong and merit and performance and earning something. Yet God, who is generous with who he is and what he is and what he has, gives the one who worked one hour the same thing that those who worked all day. And in the parable, the scripture says that the owner said to the, those who were complaining about this, in the parable, the owner said, why do you see me as evil? Because I want to be generous with what is mine. Awesome. God says, why do you think it's something to be, why do you think it's evil to see me as, as if I want to be generous with what I have? It shows the, the lack, the, the mindset of the natural doesn't get it because they don't see God as he is. Okay. Jesus had a certain mindset or view of reality, and that mind is now in us in the Spirit. One of the main things that he saw about the Father, the view of the Father, was that he was good. Good. Awesome. Remember that guy that said, uh, Oh, good master, we're glad you're here. He says, Why do you call me good? There's none good. But God. Now look at that look at that perception of reality, how he saw God and how he saw mankind. 
There's only one that's good. He wasn't looking for goodness in man. There's none good. See, the natural mind in the, in the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil looks for good in man, looks for good in ourselves, is disappointed when we don't see good in others. We beat ourselves up when we don't see good in us. None of that. Jesus didn't have any of that thinking. None's good. There's only one. And I think it was cool the way he said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, God. And basically he was baiting him to say, either you believe I'm God or... So he saw God as good. He said things like this. He said, be merciful as my Father is merciful, who causes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust, who, fall, who has rain falling on the good and the evil. In creation itself, showing the goodness of God. The book of Acts says how he, he gave them rain in due seasons to take care of them, even though they didn't, didn't know him. So he saw God as good and only, the only one who was good. Second thing the Son of Man saw was that he saw himself in complete dependence on the Father. He saw himself living by the Father, not living by rules, not living by the knowledge of good and evil, but by another life. He goes, I, as I live by my Father, so shall you live by me. I'm going to do something, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to do something where you're going to be able to be joined to me so that as I live by the Father, you'll be able to live by me in the same union for my Father and I will make our abode within you by the gift of the Holy Spirit. I and the Father, the Father and me, I and you and you and me, one. Union is coming. Tree of life is going to be opened again to all who believe. It'll no longer be the mindset of the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong to live your life, but you'll live by another person, life within by Jesus himself. As he lived by the Father, we now live by him. The simplicity of it, see, drives the, in, the, the intellectual crazy. It's too simplistic. It's too simplistic. It's got to be more complex than that. And that's exactly why he chooses the foolish to confound the wise. It's exactly why a child can receive him and have everything. Instantly. In union with him, you are complete in him. Lacking nothing because of who he is and who now you are in him. And then he saw the Father, thirdly, he saw the Father is huge and all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for my Father. So here he is, he knew the Father is good. He knew the Father as his life, depending on his Father for direction and leading. And he knew his Father is all-powerful to do anything to take breads and lo loaves and feed thousands of people, whatever it is. That mind is now in us by the Spirit. The goodness of God, the sense that we are to live in total dependence on the life of Christ and this all-powerful Christ that is within us that really can do all things through us, as Paul said whereby we can boast in our weaknesses and boast in our need of him and boast in our tribulations and boast in our trials because when we are weak, we are strong in him and through him. Awesome. So the mind of Christ is really, that's what he meant when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He was saying, it's all about me. It's all about me and what, I'm, what I've come to do. Eating his flesh and drinking his blood is a reference to his death, to his work. 
Paul says, I determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified, the Son of God and his work, what he did, because what he did is what brought us into union with God. What he did opened the way to the tree of life. What he did allowed the ax to be laid to the root of the tree in our thinking so that we're no longer living by the knowledge of good and evil, a natural mind that doesn't get it, but a spiritual mind that gets it, that gets it. I get it. You know, we can say, I get it now. It's not about me trying to learn how to do things so I can find life. It's a matter of me receiving life. And then from that perspective, in that union with life, I find him renewing the mind to how good he is and how dependent I am on him and how powerful he is. As sons and daughters of God, I know my identity now. I'm, I really, really am a new creation. No longer from below, but from above. He, he has changed the rules. He has changed everything. He's made the wisdom of this world void. Because the wisdom of this world is still, um, you know, playing checkers when the game is chess. He's changed the game. I mean, you can't, it's a whole different game. It's a whole different, consider not the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. See, that's what Jesus said when he said, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. All. The prophets did speak of a holy God and sinful man and separation from God. But those same prophets spoke of something new that was coming, knowing that in their prophecy they were not speaking of to themselves, but to you, Peter said, the age of grace. This new one that would come. They, inclined, they inquired of the Spirit, when, with, when will this person come, this Messiah, and what will he do? What will he be like? This new thing that was coming. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophet spoke. That the day would come when he, he would take away the sin of the world in one day, as the prophet said. It changes the way you relate to people because now you, you, you see people, you're not sin-focused. That's what... That, that's what explains how Jesus could be in the midst of people that are f- sinning all around him. And he's not, he do, seeming does, seemingly doesn't care. He seemingly is soft on sin. The Pharisees would see him as someone who doesn't care about sin. He's soft on sin. I mean, the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And you, did you hear what he did? She, he was, she was caught in the very act of adultery. And you know what he did? He said, woman, neither do I condemn you. Go. And sin no more. That's all he said. I can just hear it. The Pharisees, Moses said she should be stoned to death. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see the contrast? You know why? Because the natural mind is all about sin and consequences and focused on judgment and knowledge of good and evil and Jesus is basically coming and saying all that you seek and you seek righteousness by the law but you will not find it but all that you seek in the law which is righteousness has come you Jewish people seeking righteousness by the law will not find it For you will stumble over the stumbling stone, which is me. But the Gentiles, who didn't even seek righteousness, found it. Because they believed him. That he was the righteousness that all men seek. That they might walk with God. 
in perfect righteousness by faith as a gift. That's why he appeared to be soft on sin and, um, and didn't care about sin. He certainly did care about sin. He was going to die for sin. He was going to be punished for sin. He was going to take the judgment for sin. God didn't just wink at sin and, and put it under the rug. He judged his own son for sin. But the result of that means you're free. And we're not focused on sin anymore. We're focused on him. It's almost like there's a new sin. And the new sin is unbelief. For whatsoever is not of faith is now sin. God's not so concerned with the sins of the flesh. He's taken all those away. The Holy Spirit is given, the Scripture says, to convict the world of sin. Which one? Which one, Lord? Convict the world of sin because they believe not on Jesus. The one sin that remains. Almost like a new sin. Like he says, I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. The reason why that's a new commandment is because we've never seen him love us as he loved them. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. That's why it's new. Because he lived it in the flesh. He gave himself for us. And in the same way, it's like a new sin. The sin of unbelief. That's why his focus was not to get people to stop sinning. He didn't talk about adultery and stealing and all these things that were sins of the flesh. He talked about one thing. Don't be afraid. Believe. Believe only. Believe. 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 Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Faith has done it. Faith has done it. Believe. 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 Faith. Faith. Me. Don't be afraid, Peter. I'm a sinful man, Lord. Don't be afraid. Come to me. Believe only, Peter. Believe. 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 Believe in me. Believe. Believe. Believe in me. You see it? It's a whole switch a focus from sin to faith. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith in Him. God did everything in Christ for us. Everything, everything. All that remains is for us to believe. And once you believe, you receive and are joined to Him and are the sons and daughters of God. Awesome! It explains the, the clash between Jesus and the Pharisees because they were focused on sin. He was focused on faith because he would be their righteousness. Where they're concerned with getting righteousness, he says, I am your righteousness if you would only believe. It's so awesome. See, he's, he's everything. Uh, like Mary would say, I know my brother Lazarus will rise again in the last day at the resurrection in the future. I know. And Jesus said, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not an event. It's a person. I am. I can bring what's going to be manifested into the, in the future into the present because I am. I am who I am. See? The I am has come. He is the bread. He goes, your fathers ate manna that came from, from the sky and they died because it was a picture of the real bread. I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread shall live forever. You are the vine, Israel, a picture of me, but I am the true vine, the son. And as you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. I am, I am who I am. I am all things, all things. For Christ is all and in all. It's Christ. It's a, it's a return. The mind of Christ is a focus, even as He focused on the Father for all things and was everything in the same way our mind now focuses on Him. That He is everything, for He is all in all. Isn't that awesome? Yes. 
the simplicity of it and the genius of it, it brings rest. It brings uh, a whole way, different way we interact with people. We can stand in the midst of so-called sinners everywhere because we were all once sinners but no longer sinners, now saints in Christ. But we can eat and drink with sinners like Jesus did and, and, st- and be criticized by the natural mind, the Pharisees. But we can eat and drink with them because the issue is not the sin. The issue is Him. God did not send you out into the world to preach the bad news first and then the good news. He didn't say, go preach the bad news first to prepare them, put them under the law first so they can really appreciate grace and then preach the good news. No. This is life coming into the scene. That's why the Pharisees didn't understand it. They thought this, he's being soft on sin. He is not... He is not strong enough against evil. But that's God's way. If I be lifted up between heaven and earth, Jesus said, I will draw all men to me. He has sent us to preach the good news of His work. Life has come. Life has come. The Holy Spirit does the rest. Trust the Spirit to move in those who see their need of Him. They know their need already. It's the Spirit. When life comes, it contrasts itself against death that's in the person. Death. There's a sense of contrast. Life and death. And the Spirit takes that and works in the the heart. It is the love of God that leads people to repentance. The goodness of God is what draws people to change their minds. It is the good news that breaks the hard heart. It is the love of God. It's Him giving Himself for us that causes the hard heart to melt. It's to let the rays of this light in. In Thy Word is light. In Thy Word of good news is light. It is in the Word itself. It brings light. In In the entrance of my heart comes light from the good news. It's God's way. It pierces the veil. It draws them to Him. I will draw all men to me if I be lifted up. It's not about focusing on sin. It's about focusing on Him. When people say, oh, I'm, I'm not a very good person. I just, I don't think I can be a good Christian. I don't think I can measure up. You can say with all confidence, don't be afraid of anything. Believe on Him. Believe on Him. He is your righteousness. God's put everything in him, everything. And now he wants to put that everything in you and you in him. His purpose has always been to sum up all things in his son, in heaven and on earth, Ephesians says. The tree of life, the mind of Christ. You see why it's hard for people to grasp this? It's because the natural mind doesn't think in terms of the Christ being all they need and that Christ being within them and all that he is being them. As John said, as he, as he is, as he is, so are we in this world, this world now, because of union. Because of union. As he is, so are we in this world. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, he our head, we his body, branches on a vine. All these things the scripture teaches. This has come to pass. God has done it by grace through faith. So great a salvation. A portal, he himself, the way, a portal to walk through a door to another reality called the kingdom of heaven. 
where God is your daddy 24-7. Where God is with you and in you 24-7. Where you're righteous 24-7. Awesome. It is the good, glad news. It's, it's the awesome, awesome, unbelievable good news that makes you beside yourself. Peter says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. How can it be so good? How can these things be? Because God is God. And he's good. And he's able to do it and give us his son. He who spared not his only son. Will he not now with him freely, 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 freely give us all things? Different mindset. Sons and daughters of God walking on earth in a rest because you have the mind of Christ. You now have the mind of Christ. You now know it's all him. And when you encounter someone else who doesn't have him, all you know is that if you would have the son, if you would receive the son, you would have the life. Not worried about the flesh and the the things that are done in the flesh that's rearranging the, the chairs on the Titanic. It does nothing. It does nothing. But a new creation does. A new creation through faith. The law is not a faith. That's why the Pharisees clashed with this one who that's all he did speak about was faith. The law is not a faith, Galatians says. The law is not about faith. The law is about doing in order to get. As the scripture says, he who does the law shall find life. Of course, you can't do it, so you never find life, Galatians says. But the law is not a faith. So here's this one who comes on the scene saying, it's all about faith in me. Come to me. That's why they said, that's why they said, no man has ever spoken like this. No man, no prophet, no man could ever say to other men, come to me, believe on me, come to me for life. No man, why? Because only God can say that. It's awesome. See, that's why they said no man ever spoke like this. We've had prophets, you know, just ring our bell and rake us over the coals. For our sin. We've had prophets tell us how holy God is and how awesome God is. And we've had prophets tell us how sinful we are. We've had prophets tell us what we need to do to get right with God. We've had prophets tell us all. But no man has ever said to us, don't be afraid of your sin. Don't be afraid of your wickedness. Don't be afraid of your flesh. Come to me. Believe on me only. No man has ever said that. Oh, I love it. The simplicity of it, the genius of it. God did it so that he could go to the lowest common denominator, even a child. Unless you become as a child, you cannot come into the kingdom of heaven because he has hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. For so it seemed good, Father, in your sight to do it this way, he said, so that everybody could come, even the child, the childlike, come. And unless the intellect becomes like a child, he will in no wise receive this. Too simple. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He, was, he, he had been there. He had been there in the complexity of the Jewish faith with all of its rules and its laws and sub-laws and sub-laws and sub-laws and how to do this at this, and if this happens, how to do this and what applies in the rabbi's interpretation of this. He was there. He was 
among his contemporaries advancing. He was there and he says, I count it all dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, my righteousness, by faith, by faith. We have the mind of Christ, the simplicity of just Jesus himself being our all, is life and peace. The Holy Spirit primarily comes to the believer to show us this. The renewal of the mind to show us this way of God. They even call the people in Acts the people of the way. The people of the way. This new way of living. Not by rules and laws. Not by being focused on sin. But by faith. Resting in God as their righteousness. The Pharisees in the early century called the the church, they called them the dominion of arrogance. They called them the kingdom of arrogance because the, the church was calling themselves, we were, we're in the kingdom of heaven. We're here now. We're actually in heaven. Heaven's in us. We're, we're righteous now because of God, by faith. The Pharisees call that arrogance to call themselves righteous. God calls it unbelief. They stumble over the stumbling stone. Seeking to find righteousness, they found it not but the Gentiles who weren't even looking for righteousness found it because they simply believed. Believed. Faith. Faith in Jesus. Faith in Him. The simplicity of it. It's awesome. Yes? I have a perfect example. This week my son came over. He married his high school sweetheart. He's 28. I haven't seen him and very rarely do I see him. And um, he sat there and told me that um, he left his wife didn't want to have anything to do with her anymore. And um, I said, how long has this been going on? Inside of you, he said, a year. And I wanted to say so much stuff, because I'd been on that end where his wife's at. The only thing that kept coming to mind was the old covenant versus the new covenant. And, you know, we sh- I shared with him about Jesus, and he knows Jesus. And, I mean, he knows all the, the law. Right. He knows the law. Right. And that's why he steers away from a lot of churches. But I didn't give him the law. I, I think my natural wanted to give him the law. Right. And I'm thinking, what am I doing inside? Am I justifying this, his sin? No, see. And I didn't. And, you know, when we got done, he asked for prayer. And we got done. And, he, he you know, it's just the coming here. What this church has done for me has changed my relationships. That is so awesome. See, the law is the strength of sin. So you would have pushed him further into that sin by giving him law. His only hope, really, his only hope is that he sees Jesus himself and sees grace and sees life and sees love. The goodness of God leads people to repentance and change their mind. That's awesome. That's his only hope. And he has to make his own decision, but... That's, you gave him the only lifeline that there is, and that's grace and faith and hope and the love of, love of God. And the law will strengthen sin, but grace strengthens life. It's awesome. It's, the heart should be established by grace and not by rules and laws, the Scripture says. See, it, it's counterintuitive. It's, it's far into the natural mind. But, see, you have the mind of Christ. That's exactly why you spoke that way. It's the way the Lord spoke. It's exactly how he spoke. Wow. It's the life that It's the what? That's the lifeboat. Yes. Yeah, the lifeboat. That's the lifeboat. It's not, 
you know, you need to move this chair over here on the Titanic and move this. And, or get, stand on the bow. That's the safe place. Stand on the bow. No, it's all sinking. It's all going down. Yes. 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 Let me just say that again real quick because that's so important and we'll close. But the church overall has had a steady diet of law for so many years and in so many places just law. And the law is not of faith. So if, you're, if you've got a steady diet of law that's tr- telling you how to be holy, it, where you're focused on your sin and trying to change yourself and trying to repent all the time and trying to be more holy and it's all about the law and about what's right and what's wrong, you're not even exercising faith. So your faith, if it's a muscle, if you think about it like a muscle, it's just anemic. It's just like anemic. It's like it hasn't been developed. But the moment you tell someone the truth, the gospel, that God is no longer counting your sin against you. He's not even counting it. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. You have the gift of righteousness from him. It's his righteousness as a gift. The moment you say that, you may feel yucky inside, for the sins you committed in the flesh, but that's where the muscle begins to work. Especially when you blow it. The moment we blow it in the flesh, that's the moment we really need to stand firm in the faith. The muscle begins to work. No, no, I received no condemnation. Yeah, I know I blew it. And the accuser will close in on you, and people will close in on you, and the religious will close in on you. That's when you say, no, I know I blew it. I know that's sin, that's flesh, but that's not Christ, and that's not me, and God has not even counted that against me because He's in me and I just thank Him that I'm righteous in Him and I remember the truth. And the muscle goes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's easy to believe when you're doing everything right, supposedly, you know, but when you do something wrong, that's when you really need to exercise the muscle of faith. That's when you really, that's when you really need to say, no, I'm not going to receive this condemnation because I know who I am. I know who my God is and I know what He did. I have the mind of Christ. Yes, yes, from faith to faith. And the muscle gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you're like this oak with roots going down very deep. And no matter what happens, you're like, come what may, there is no condemnation because of him. Awesome. Well, let's just close in uh, the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. If you want to read an awesome chapter about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, I believe it is. Maybe just 2, chapter 2. But 1 Corinthians, the whole thing, just read it slowly one, one evening or one morning and go through, as Paul describes this, this movement of one mind to another mind and how we see things differently now in him. It's awesome. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see. Father, I pray that the comfort of the Holy Spirit the comfort of the Holy Spirit would be upon us this day and forever. Thank you, Lord, for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the mind of Christ. Thank you that we see that you, Lord, are all in all. You are the true bread. You are the true vine. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We rest in you, Lord. We believe. Amen.